There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 470. Uh, this episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Why go to a post office when it's not necessary to do such things? It never is. WTF. <laughs> don't. I'm just channeling him. I'm don't Myra me on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or at least if you're going to mention another one, like pick a different one just to mix it up. Like his will be WTF and yours can be. Uh, oh, I'll go walk in the room. You, uh, do, they, do they do stamps? They did one time, but then I think they said a bunch of terrible things and they removed their sponsorship. Because <laughs> so David Gregor, good could at everything. Not be working <laughs> so, well, then maybe just use the nervous offer code in oh, that good case idea. if it doesn't work. Uh, Stamps.com lets you print out any official postage on any sized anything that you have. Even an elephant. Sure. As long as you poke holes for air. Listen, they love when you mail elephants. Oh, yeah. But you, if you're mailing an elephant, you might go, or I should put... 98,000 stamps on here just to make sure that it co- it's covered. The forever stamps. Yeah. Um, but then you might be wasting like $1,000 to mail your elephant. Yeah. So uh, weigh your elephant, get the exact postage that you need, and then you can mail the elephant. Leave the elephant right out front. Your mail, mail carrier will pick it up. Uh, I want one of the math fans of this podcast to to Quemens at Nerdist.com send me how much they think it would cost to mail an elephant. Yeah, please. Calculate and just your standard size like African that elephant. That could be somebody's midterm project. For yeah, okay, class. good, good. So we have a project and then you have a project to use Stamps.com. Uh, we have the special offer going, $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale, which would not support the weight of an not elephant. Not at all. And up to $55 of free postage, which would not be enough to mail an elephant. Not even a little. But... Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click the microphone on the top of the homepage and type in Nerdist. That's Stamps.com. Use the promo code Nerdist. Uh, I am delighted by this podcast, Kyle. It's a good one. You were here for it. I was. It was fun. She's delightful. She is absolutely delightful. Christina Ricci, um, who, by the way, is uh, is promoting the uh, Lizzie Borden movie on Lifetime uh, channel, which is uh, Saturday, January 25th at 8 p.m. So watch that. Watch her. And then watch everything else. And as I've said, Adam's Family Values is one of my favorite it's movies. It's one of my favorite movies of all as well. Time. It is a fantastic movie. I mean, she's been in a ton of great stuff. Ice Storm. Oh! So good. Opposite of sex, an amazing movie. Yes, but um, but I but I really 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 do. Adam Sandler movies, one one of the best. And uh, and so here I'll just I'm going to shut up and we're going to get right to the delightfulness of the Nerdist podcast with Christina Ricci. I have to say it that way. Yeah, there's no other way to. There isn't say it that I'm aware of. I no. Elephants. <laughs> the elephants are the elephant <laughs> in the room. <laughs> now entering Nerdist.com.
want the boring plastic chair? Or do you want the yeah, squishy um, boss I, chair? I feel like I can control things a little right. easier from this okay. chair. That chair looks like it rolls. Then now it feels like now it feels like a weird. It feels like a job interview. I'm here to interview. So, what skills do could you offer this organization? All right, good. I've, I've been wanting to put in, in a high board, so we're do gymnastics <laughs> and can, diving. I'm trying to think what was on my resume when I was a little kid. Uh, ice skating? <laughs> oh, the classic actor resume mm-hmm. where you go, well, I sort of know how to do this, and Special if I get skills. cast in something, I'll figure we'll it out. We'll just practice. My mom was always like, we'll just practice. Until. You made me think that there would be a really awesome sport if they had like a gym mat that was actually like a high dive board, so you could watch people do like all sorts of tumbling shit and then they do that in diving okay well they'll like do flips and cartwheels and then go off the end but not like from the, not like across a massive no. surface that's true that, I just think it would economize a little that bit better that seems cruel but does it? a little bet <laughs> they'll be fine imagine how tired you'd be by no. the time you have to get that perfect dive listen if you look at any, any gymnast it's an endurance sport more than it is <laughs> <laughs> they're all fine now all the Olympic athletes they're fine absolutely fine have you done a podcast before by the way? no this is your first? yes it's just like radio, right? Yeah, sort of. All right. Except hopefully we're not douchebags. I, I think uh, it, uh, radio There's only one of you, so that's, we're already <laughs> doing better. Well, they're there, but just, the, the, just let them disappear in you, into so. the wall. No. Okay. Oh, Shut yeah. up. Stop it. You were not turning this into a morning radio show. Where's your soundboard? Yeah. Oh, he is the soundboard. <laughs> Awesome. There's traffic out on the 101. <laughs> <laughs> it's duck traffic? No, it. did you ever hear? Um, my dad used to listen to Imus in the morning. Do you know oh, that? yes. Oh, I used to wake up 6 a.m. You'd hear <laughs> all kinds of crazy noises. Every single Dying morning? Imus, every morning. Did he think he was funny? or? He loved it. He thought it was really funny. And he would put it on so loud in his bedroom so that he could still hear it when he was in the shower in the bathroom. The whole house listened to I Miss in the Morning. <laughs> is he still on or does he get... I think he has a radio show on like Sirius or one of those things. Oh, he did come back. Because there was like, he was off for a while because of something. Because he was probably a ra- like a racist, crazy <laughs> probably. person. He was yeah. probably a racist and said some horrible things. Yeah, I'm and sure. And then wasn't around anymore. I think I remember some like extremely sexist statements when I was like six. Yes, so this is not that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think it's, so. It's basically just a loose... Somewhat directionless, like a coffee chat conversation. Okay. So it could go anywhere, anywhere. Okay. Or if there's anything you want to talk about. Like, for instance, I'm going to bring this up. Did you play Candy Crush? No. On your iPhone? No. No, I've never... I'm not good at games. No, you don't like, you don't like the games? I try to practice when I'm alone playing... Um, PlayStation. Uh huh. Okay. But I'm not very good still. <laughs> still. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Because you probably... Because you... When you're working... Well, what do you do in a trailer when you're working? You must have like 10 hours that you're just lot, sitting... I do a lot of reading. Really? I do a lot of reading. I do really stupid things, like just um, photo series and stuff. Well, this is a game called Candy Crush. I've heard, yeah, my, my husband plays it. Okay. So... I don't understand, though, the appeal. You just crush candy. Well, first of all... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? I've, I've looked over his shoulder and not really understood what... But haven't you ever looked at candy and just gone, I wonder what it would be like if I could crush that candy? No. No. Well, first of all, that company who made Candy Crush made $3.5 million a day last I year. I saw that on the news. <laughs> a day. I don't understand. Uh, I've seen people play it on set, too, and I didn't get it. I think it's... Tetris, I understand. Tetris, I totally understand. Yeah. 
But that's a much different story. Do you know the story behind Tetris? No. There is a, do you like documentaries? Yeah. There is an amazing documentary about the inception of Tetris. That it was basically a... Uh, thank you, Katie. That it was basically... It, it was developed in Russia where during socialism, no one was really allowed to own anything. And so this guy basically was just like, oh, I'll take that. And he took it. So the guy who originally created Tetris really didn't get anything. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But the documentary about the making of Tetris is, is fascinating. Wow, that sounds good. But Candy Crush just uh, somehow was able to trademark the word candy. Oh. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm still trying to process that because I just read that right before I came in here. How do you do that? I don't know. Is it candy graphically done a certain way? No. Just the word they, the word candy. They were able to, the U.S. Trademark and Patent and Trademark Office said, They're sure. not going to keep it for that long. Someone will come along that, you know what I mean? And say, suck it? Yeah. You can't have Something candy. will happen. That's infuriating. Yeah, well, it won't last that long. Does this make you not want to play even more now? Yeah, really. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> Your candy crush rage. Yeah, it's palpable I, right now. I don't, yeah, I, I just can't. I don't know why. I try to like these things, but I, I can't. I, they don't stick with me. But see, you're also in the perfect age range to have been swept up by the video game I revolution. break technology. You break? I break things. I just, I don't know how. Things just don't work when I try to use them. It's not good. You smash it? No, no. I'll be just normally using something and it will break. So you have bad techno food, like you just don't... Yeah, I think there's something wrong with my energy. Is your husband technologically savvy? Yes, he's very good at that stuff. And he will. He really just gets really frustrated and doesn't understand what I've done wrong. And I'll go through every step, and he's like, I don't know what happened, and you just broke it. <laughs> like, I looked at it. I feel like that should be in some sort of a wedding vow now, or they like, in technological sickness and in health, so that <clears throat> if you're with someone that doesn't understand that your spouse is not legally allowed to be like, what the fuck did you do now? Like, they yeah. have to be very patient with you. Yeah, no, he is patient now because he sees that it's just something that happens to me. It's not like me not understanding or not doing it right. It's just they don't like me. Computers don't like me. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I don't know. Did you, have, did you have any computer stuff growing up? Yeah, but not a ton. You know, I'm, a, you know, I'm 33, so we had computers in high school, but not like middle school. And uh, you didn't have to take computer courses. And we had like a word processor that, at our house that mm-hmm. we used. So I didn't really have my own computer until I was probably like 17 or 18. And even then, I only used it to write papers. And did you go to regular school? or did I you? I did. You I went off? to regular school until the last two years. And then I went to a school that was for kids who were professional in any capacity, though. What? They're well, like I know. I always get teenage bankers? No, well, there were people, like teenage um, prodigies in, different, in all kinds of different areas. Oh. But um, mostly they'd be you know, professional musicians or... Um, or a lot of dancers and athletes, a lot of like pro, like pro people. Like oh, okay. People who, rollerblade, people who are, like pro rollerbladers. Pro rollerbladers, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. exactly. Because yeah. it was the late 90s. Gym divers? Professional gym divers? There weren't very many of those, no. I'm sorry. I'm going to make this happen. Um, yeah, there were a lot of those people, like models in our school, that kind of thing. And then, of course, actors. Did you, uh, did you like that, or did you miss regular? No, I mean, I went to regular school until it became not fun anymore. From people knowing who yeah, you are? Yeah, because I always lived in, I lived in this town in New Jersey 
and you know we went we went through um uh elementary school then middle school with the same group of kids basically and then all of a sudden high school like all the different schools fed into one big high school oh. so it was kids who i didn't know and hadn't known me my whole life so then it got and that's just when you want to disappear into the woodwork anyway so having someone like yell at you in the cafeteria with like a thousand kids it's like not a, fun it sounds like it was actually like living in the internet <laughs> a little bit, yeah. It like was, just getting trolled in real life. Yeah, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. So we decided to, my mom and I moved to New York City, and I went to the professional children's school. When was your, fir- when was your, first, uh, when was your first acting? Was it Mermaids? Yeah, well, that was my first movie. But I had been doing commercials and stuff uh, before that, for like two years before that. So I was seven when I started, nine when I did Mermaids. So how, um, just because... Most people who start the business young don't fare well. They don't survive. Like, there's a sort of threshold, like, after 17, where they just, uh, everything just kind of falls falls apart. So how did you turn out to be uh, okay? Well, I think I was really lucky, too, because I was just going through all my, like, weird growing pain stuff when the internet was in its very early days. You know, yeah. it wasn't there weren't there weren't so as many tabloids, weren't as many paparazzi. You could still kind of behave horribly and not have anyone find out about it. <laughs> it's true, because it really, I was not well behaved at all. But I was able to sort of do that normal thing that kids do, where they just like freak out for a couple of years and then you kind of grow out of it. Whereas I think these days there's so much attention that anyone who does freak out, it's magnified and analyzed, and then there's just more freaking out and the shame. Shame spiraling, and there's no question that it's it's exponentially worse now than it used to be. But I still I feel, feel like you a- have to be kind of a sociopath to do it right, to do it well. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's just human to react to scrutiny, and I, I don't know. It's very. It's I can't. I don't know how people do it. Well, especially because um, I, I mean I. I just because he's in the news a lot, I'm using Justin Bieber uh, as a kid who. It's like I, I feel bad because. When they're young and adorable, everyone's, they're like puppies, and everyone's like, oh, look at these puppies. You know, that's exactly what it's like. It's like puppy syndrome, where you, you lo- the puppy's really awesome for like six months, and then when it's a dog, you're like, meh, now it's just a dog. And, and so they, he doesn't, those people don't get away with all the adorable things anymore because they're older and people don't care anymore, but they don't understand what changed. Right, and also everyone has a right to comment on how you're growing up and what they think of you now, and it's just like, ugh. It's just awful. Don't you feel... I feel like there should be special counselors for young performers who sit people down as a group and go, look, uh, you're going to feel bad for a while and these people are going to be mean to you, but don't take it personally or let it make your self-worth. Yeah, and it's so weird, too, now, because you... Like, you know, when I was younger, it was just that you didn't read your own press and you didn't engage and you tried not to think about the public and what they thought of you. You just did your job and, you know, whatever. But now it's like they have to in order to remain relevant be on Twitter. Right. And be in social media and all this stuff. So it's kind of, I don't know. I, I just don't understand. I, I feel like everyone should just be, they, they need to be able to like go to like a nice ranch in Montana for a little while. <laughs> or like a private island. For a little while you mean 17 to 19. Yes. <laughs> just like two years. Or like, I don't know, 25. Well, so the social media is, um, and obviously... I'm not really one to talk because I've been on Twitter almost since you could be on Twitter. But 
when I see, Ma- like, Madonna's been getting in a lot of trouble lately, but I go, why is Madonna on Instagram? She is? Yes. That's really surprising. And she's been, she's been doing really stupid things, or... or so like you know, she put up a picture of her her thirteen year old kid with a bottle of Bombay gin, and then <laughs> she she, ha- she put up a picture of him the other day and then hashtagged it with the N word. Like, look at this N word, her son. And so it, I Could go. It at least was it at least spelled with an A at the end? <laughs> yes, it okay, was at least good. spelled. <laughs> yes. Well, then it's so, kind of okay. <laughs> I thought that was the rule. Maybe not if you're Madonna and you're talking about your very white son who is a half British. Um, But but it seems to me that some people, you know, I mean, like you said, in the before this digital age, I'm sure there are so many horrible things that happened that people just weren't aware of. But actually, now that you're, but you just joined Twitter a handful of months ago, right? Yeah, I think it was August. Are you enjoying it? Um, yes and no. It provides me with, it, it's a source of a lot of anxiety for me. How come? Because I'll post something and then like a couple hours later I'm like, I should take that down. Oh my God, <laughs> that was so stupid. <laughs> or it's like, I'm going to get in trouble for that. Um, or I don't like the way I phrase something, so I'll take it down and put it up again. And then people are like, you post this twice. Um, but yeah. Oh, yes. The internet is, if, the internet is basically will poke holes in anything any argument, anything you say, anything that really doesn't even need to have holes poked in it, people will find yeah. ways. They really, yeah, people get very uh, enraged about things that you never even think about. It's just like, wow, really? That's an issue for you? Well, because it, um, you know, telling someone that they're doing something wrong is uh, an expression of power. It's fun. I, I like that myself, <laughs> but more in person. I like that you're doing it wrong, <laughs> you know. Have you ever thought about uh, start having an, an anonymous account where you could just go on and... called that you're doing it wrong? Yeah, just, <laughs> just poke holes around people. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter page is just called you're doing it wrong. You're doing it... Every day I find five people to, tell, to, to comment on how wrong they're doing everything. That's a really good idea. Thanks. You really need to do that. <laughs> I, as a matter of fact... This... I also wanted to start one that was called Ugly Feelings. It was just like a, a journal about my terrible feelings I have during the day. The, just all the horrible, inhuman things that you are ashamed that you feel, but you just want to express yeah, anyway? Don't act on. Yeah. yeah. And I'd be anonymous, of course. So you could just... Okay, so you could make that a hashtag, just Ugly Feelings. Exactly. And then if you establish the fact that, look... We all know that these are ugly feelings, and we all know that I'm not going to act on any of these, but I'm just going to express them because yeah. I need to get out. I, I feel like that would be okay. I think so, but you know somebody would not think it was okay. No, 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 but, it, but you're never going to score 100%. I feel like if you can score a, a high C on the internet, then you're doing okay. Like a 78, 78%, I think you're doing okay. That's pretty good. I'm new at this, so... I yeah. take everything very personally. Well, okay. Really. Then don't don't take everything as pass no, or fail. I really don't, actually. I kind of just laugh. Like I did this thing recently. Well, I didn't even do it on purpose. I was taking pictures of myself. I fit I like to be in small spaces. Mm-hmm. And my friends would take pictures of me. And so I was just bored one day, and I was like, I'm starting a photo series called I Can Fit In That. Um, <laughs> and it turned it, and then I was on this TV show, and it turned into like a hashtag. And I didn't even know what that was before, really. I thought hashtag was a clever way of like being like, I don't know, commenting on your your own post. Sure, you can do it that way. way. Yeah, yeah, that's what I did. Um, but anyway, so then all these people what wasn't the point. Oh, but then people were writing in things like, um, "You're gonna feel really bad when when a child gets stuck in the oven," oh. and I was just like, 
Keep your child out of the oven. <laughs> First of all, that may be your responsibility as a parent to not. Why like is your child reading my Twitter account? Well, that's a sort of like when people, if <laughs> any comedy premise at the heart is something horrible. Yes. So if you take any sort of comedic anything and go, oh, but you, you're really, you go, yeah, I know, but this is we, this is how we process the world. So just. Let it go. Comedy's not for everybody. It isn't, no. Especially if you can't use your brain properly. So, basically what you created was a meme. Really? I thought meme was when it repeated. It should repeat, oh. because what would happen is, and maybe even more after people hear this, but when people start photographing themselves, it'd be like planking. Yes, or like, it was just like that. I can fit in that. So that's a, that's a meme, basically, where people will take that and it will very quickly evolve. But I thought a meme was a short little, like a vine Thing. That's what I thought a meme was. No, no, no. Oh. A meme is essentially like a... Just someone taking a picture. It's like a social phenomenon right. uh, where people... It evolves very quickly and, and people imitate it over and over and That's over and over, and over again. Uh, so, so you actually yeah. started a meme. I did. Which is... That is huge. It is very huge to start a meme. It's not easy to do. Well... I didn't do it on purpose, actually. It was, uh, That's why it, was... it worked. <laughs> but, but then it seems like now it's kind of cheesy because everyone's like, see, you did this thing. You started this trend. It's like, well, I didn't do it on purpose. See, that's why it worked. I was just taking some pictures of myself in small spaces. Memes, I think part of the magic of a meme is that it's like sort of like a lightning in a bottle. It's a very accidental moment in time. So, but if you got greedy and you're like, oh, I'm going to start oranges on my face, and then you just covered your face in oranges, and then went, here I am, world, then everyone, it wouldn't catch on. No. That sounds lame. But because... <laughs> fuck. All right. <laughs> Let's cross that one off the list. But, uh, yeah, I, I was rifling through your Twitter just to see before we did this, just to... And I saw a picture of you in a kitchen sink. Yeah. That's the last one I did. I don't think I'm going to put any more up there. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. It's, you don't own it anymore. It's Now it's the yeah, world. Yeah, it's other people's. You've, you've given it to the world. I like, there are ones, though, where people put their children, they're like been putting their kids in things, which I think is just so funny, using your child <laughs> as an object. Because they don't fashion. have a choice. No. It's like putting your pet in something. Yeah, that's right. But this is your baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is your baby in a sink. <laughs> babies in a box. They're like babies in cages. Listen, greeting... <laughs> Hashtag ugly feelings. <laughs> so it's a meme that you can put with the hashtag yeah. at the same time. Well, listen, adorable greeting cards in Hallmark stores have been showing us pictures of babies in a pot full of pasta for decades. That's dark. Haven't you seen that before? I don't think I have. Where it's like the baby's in the pasta and he's all covered with spaghetti and he's Ooh. adorable and messy. I don't think I've seen that one. No, okay. No. Maybe that was a weird dream I had. I don't know. Hashtag ugly feelings. Yes. Um, when you, uh, did you feel like you ever made the conscious decision to become a performer or did it just sort of feel like, oh, well, this is the thing that I'm doing or was there a sort of an adult, like, okay, I choose to do this now? Well, I started when I was so young, um, and it just sort of happened naturally. Uh, but then when I was like 13, I was working and I'd always kind of, before that I, I had always thought that I would stop at some point and go to college and get a real job. Um, and then when I was 13, I was sort of like, why? I really like this. And it's, I've already, I already have this thing going on that would be idiotic for me to stop. So that, that was when I really made a decision, I think. And did, you, did your approach to the concept of acting change when you decided, like, why well, I want to do this on purpose? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> it took me years to learn that I had to take it seriously. <laughs> that took a long time. We, no, yeah. I just was like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to try not to ruin this. 
that was more of my attitude. Well, <laughs> trying I, not to screw this up. I don't. I mean, listen. I don't want to fan out on you too much, but I think Adam's Family Values is one of the funniest movies oh, of you. all time. Thanks. And you're amazing in it. And Peter McNichol. Is oh in- yeah, I love Peter. God, I love him so. And Christine much. Baranski. Oh, they're so good. I did Ally McBeal, like an arc on Ally McBeal, like when I was 20, 20 or twenty one, and I ended up working almost the whole time with Peter McDickle and it was the most fun I've had. It was the most fun seven weeks I think I've ever had on a job. He's amazing. He doesn't like to be touched either, so I'd always stand way too close to him <laughs> and put my hands on him and stuff. It was really funny. We had, uh, Christopher Lloyd was on the podcast a couple months ago and he's, he said that that whole experience was amazing. Yeah. Was it as fun for you? Yeah, especially being a kid. You know, that was great. I mean, we shot the first one here on this lot that we're on right now. What? So I was like basically lived here for nine months when I was 10. And then uh, the second one, we were on the Paramount lot and they were filming Coneheads at that time. So I used to see Dan Aykroyd all the time in his outfits. And it was just really amazing. I and mean, I was a teenager, so nothing could have been more fun. We always had like five PAs chasing us around and we would get in trouble and steal the golf carts and... <laughs> You know, I got to name all my props and stuff. So it was awesome. Um, did you, when did you start to sort of realize that comedy was a thing that you had a little bit of a... I never felt, I don't feel that way. I don't think, if I ever try, it doesn't work trying to be funny for me. So it's more like people have to laugh at me. I can't actually, <laughs> you know, it's not like laughing with. Do you like comedy? I, mean, like, I do, do you, yeah. Do you like stand up? I do. I like comedy a lot, but I just... I'm not, I don't consider myself to be good at comedy intentionally. Do you know what I mean? No, I don't, because you created the meme of I can fit in that, which is... But I wasn't really, I mean, I was sort of trying, I, I see that it's funny, but I also didn't, I just thought other people would be like, oh, that's weird, she's totally weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't think, I don't know. But yeah, but it, it's not, a, I don't know, I'm just, Whatever. Do you think... <laughs> That's a good answer. Whatever. Whatever. I don't even just, know. Uh, Comedy's dumb. No, I just don't think that I'm able to do it really intentionally. That's what I'm saying. Like, I can't... I don't... Under, people, I just have so much respect for people who are able to have that perspective and objectivity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, knowing what's funny to other people. I don't know if... I don't know if anyone really knows, though. I think most people would say that it's exactly like, like your thing, where you go, well, I don't know. I just thought this thing was weird. I thought you were supposed to, like, know it's funny, and I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't. I mean, like, I, I feel like every time I write a joke and I say, like, oh, man, they're, they're going to carry me out on their shoulders with this one, it's usually there's, si- like, silence. But then I'll say something in response to that, and then that's the thing that and yeah. I'm like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, that's okay. That makes sense. I don't know. Have you worked with a, have you worked with a lot of funny people? Uh, I have. I did, I did a movie with Nick Swartzen. Oh, and yeah. He's super funny. Amazing. But, and, and Kevin Nealon was in it too and I would just kind of stand there while they improved and everything and I was like, I don't understand how they're doing this right now. And I was always like the most disappointed. They were like, so Christina just tried different things and I was like, okay. And then no, but they were like, ouch, <laughs> that's, that's not good. <laughs> so. Did you ever take improv or anything? No. No, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm. If you ask me to improv, I will stay silent and just make a lot of facial expressions. <laughs> See, I think my guess is that the comedy center is in your brain, but you just don't recognize what it is, and you think comedy is supposed to be this other thing. Yeah, I think that's it. But 
I think if you if you sort of adjusted if you sort of adjusted for the wind, then you would start identifying those things that you just think are weird are actually like comedy thoughts, and you could actually you actually could do comedy accidentally on purpose. Maybe, maybe, I'd probably ruin it. I think it would. <laughs> it would probably get like way too morbid or. Or just inappropriate or something. Do you, have, do you have a really inappropriate sense of humor? Yes. Good. I do. My original photo series was me on Pan Am in, as a, they were the dead pictures. And it was me as the dead, as the stewardess who had died on the plane in different positions. I thought it was genius. And it actually did, and so, like the crew finally caught on to what I was doing because I'd like sneak around the corner and like throw myself in different positions and have my dresser <laughs> take pictures on the phone. And then this one day we attracted too much attention, and the next day I got nothing but pictures of the crew dead in different positions. So apparently that caught that caught on too, like wildfire. You're a meme generator. <laughs> so, There's a huge business in this. The dead ones were good too, because on Pan Am we looked like. Uh, the whole reason I thought of it was that we looked like dolls. Right. So it was really funny to have like this, like, to be like hanging out the window of the plane. Or there was one of uh, my favorite was I was shoved in an overhead compartment. That combines <laughs> the two, fitting in I things fit in and dying. And dead, dead service, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was my favorite thing. So were the de- causes of death different causes of death? Oh, yes. Yeah, so it was always, okay. Yeah. I died in the, in the lavatory a few times. Then one, there was plane crashes. There was one, there was a really good one where we were, me and this other, this other actress we did, the where we were out the front, at the front of the window, the cockpit, yeah. like hanging over the edge, just kind of comically placed. That was good. Another one where the two of us I put us in the closet where they hang the coats and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had the, one, one of the girls in the crew took a picture of the closet door closed and the second picture was the door open with the two of us hanging on our legs up and the thing. That was really good. I loved it. It was really fun. See, now that is... You could start a Tumblr with that. A Tumblr. You, you could start okay. your own Tumblr of just a series of those pictures. They're good. I have them still. Have they're you not awesome. posted any of them? No, because should... they're very dark. I, know, I feel but... like then I'm asking for trouble. Okay, I don't want to give you bad advice here and say and encourage you, but as long as... I think people are more willing to kind of tolerate stuff as long as you set up the rules up top and go... This is a thing. I also feel like I'm inviting a lot of gross people to like, you know what I mean? That's oh, a whole yeah. fetish. Oh, yeah. You know, I always... You know. I never think of that stuff either, and yeah. then all of a sudden you end up on some fetish website. Yeah, 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 that's really true. really dirty. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, dead stewardess. Oh, Christina Ricci you know is dead stewardess. Yeah. Dead thing. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's for... As a, as a guy... It's not really anything that a little I, bit like, safer. If someone yeah. photoshops a dick in my nose <laughs> or whatever, I'm like, oh, that was really good photoshopping there. I mean, but I guess, yes, as a, as, a, as, a, as a young woman, you are definitely open to the predatory nature of the dark underbelly of yeah, the it's interwebs. Gross. Yeah, you kind of have to protect yourself from that. Oh, oh, I'm yeah, sorry. It's a shame. I, yeah, no, that's bad advice. I shouldn't, I shouldn't tell you to do that. No, but, it's fine. My, the other thing, speaking of like penises and faces, mm-hmm. um, I was so surprised by all on Twitter, all the profile pics that are just people's penises. Have you seen this? <laughs> there are, I have like five followers. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, they are all Swedish, but it's just like a picture of their penis. They just their didn't understand picture. the concept of headshot. Like they took Hilarious. it literally. Yeah. Yeah. 
They're, they're all Swedish? No, I mean, they're pretty much all Scandinavian, but not necessarily Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we don't want to just put them into one box. They're spread out. It's a whole region. Yeah. I mean, actually, that I was not... I mean, it doesn't surprise me in the least, but I'm not followed by... I mean, there are not a lot of penises that I've noticed in avatars of people responding yeah. to me. Do you read your... When people talk to you, do you read them or do you... Sometimes, yeah. I th- yeah, I do. Let's just be honest. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. And what is your favorite kind of response? I like when people are really short and to the point, like, gain some weight. Or, um, <laughs> or like, this is stupid. Um, just little things like that. But isn't that, that like sort it. of weird that people kind of, I mean, especially people who've grown up watching you grow up, that, that they must feel such a sense of ownership over you where they just literally tell you what to do. Do yeah. this. Wear that. Don't wear that. I think it's that. really funny. Too much powder. That was one I got. <laughs> At Kusunuruji, too much powder. I was like, oh, thanks. Thanks so much. I'm going to fix that real quick. Yeah, I like that stuff. Then you know what you should... See, that totally opens you up to opportunities where you just like get some zombie makeup on and then take a picture and go, is this better? Like, you could totally yeah. fuck with those people. That's true. I don't like to respond, though, because I'm worried I'm going to start something with the wrong person. That's true. Yeah. But I think if you... Well, my, my rule is that if someone seems like, oh, they seem like they're kind of fun, then I'll respond in a fun way. Yes. Or actually, I responded to trolls in a ridiculous, fun way too. But if their follow up is worse, then I back away. Yeah, yeah. Then I then I back away. I have responded sometimes when like there was this guy who his profile picture was a picture of a cat being shamed, and I just had to respond to that. I was like, (laughs) I was like cat shaming genius. (laughs) It was a black cat with a sign around its neck, like you put on bad children. It says, "I steal waffles," (laughs) and I was like, "This is." Amazing. So, yeah, I plan on doing that to my dog. Oh, what kind of dog do you have? I have two. I have a Chihuahua Dachshund, Karen Carpenter, mm-hmm. and then a dog named Walter, a big German Shepherd named Walter. <laughs> so, why, how did you decide to name your dog Karen Carpenter? Well, she's a Chihuahua. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I love Karen Carpenter so yep. much. She's one of my favorite singers, so. You know, we're podcasting Paul Williams in a couple days, and Paul Williams wrote a bunch of the Carpenter songs. I'm so confused about this, because I read that um, Little Girl Blue book about her, yeah. and it says that her brother wrote like all the songs, and it was his whole thing was that he was so upset, and then I was watching some, I went to something, and I'm going to forget his name, this really famous person wrote a bunch of the really famous songs, so it's so... I feel like I've been lied to. Paul wrote Rainy Days and Mondays. Oh, my God. That, my, that's my favorite Carpenter song. But he also wrote Rainbow Connection. He wrote the Muppet Movie soundtrack, oh too. Oh, my God. That's such a good song. Impossible to sing unless you're Kermit, but really good. <laughs> it's really good. Can you do a Kermit? No. Do you know that for a fact? Yes, I do. Okay. Actually. All right, good. Listen, that's fair. I'm not lying to No, you. okay. I appreciate that. I just want to make sure that you were on the level that at yeah. least you had tried it once. Oh, yeah, no. I did a movie with... Um, Frank Oz directed Mermaids. And so I used to try to do it all the time. I can't do it. You tried to do it for Frank? Well, he was trying to teach me, and I couldn't, couldn't do it. Well, this is because he didn't do Kermit, so that was probably the issue. But he, did, he had that voice, didn't he? No, he did Miss Piggy. But he made, had that voice. They and Jim, Jim did, yeah. That's amazing that you worked with Frank Oz. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess he had done Dirty Rotten Scoundrels maybe right before Mermaids, which yeah. is also one of my favorites. That's a great movie. So good. What was Frank like as a guy to work with? He was nice. He was just real... I mean, I was nine, so right. it wasn't like we spent a lot of time together. Um, <laughs> but he was nice. I liked him. Don't be weird. Yeah. Did he... Uh, but when he talks, he essentially has... 
Kevin. He, he has the like a Muppety voice. Yes, yeah. So it's probably very hard to take him seriously. I... You guys get your fucking... Oh, okay, Frank, we can't take you seriously because you have a crazy yeah, Muppet he... voice. No, but he was... Uh... I took him seriously. He was, he was very serious. Yeah? Yeah. He was nice. I liked him. Um, if you ever get the Muppet Movie DVD, there's a, there are a bunch of um, outtakes where they were testing the Muppets in the world before they did the Muppet Movie. And it's basically just Jim Henson and Frank Oz just operating like Fozzie and Kermit out in the world, just fucking with each other the whole time. That's and, so funny. And making each other laugh. They were just testing to see like what the Muppets would look like you know, across a bigger landscape and you know, when they were getting ready to do the, the Muppet movie. Oh, wow. I can see that you're a Muppet fan. Oh, God, I'm wearing the Muppet Pantone. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I didn't realize that that's how Ralph was spelled. Yep, Ralph. Huh. Um, is, uh, you, oh, you know... I don't know. I'm obviously not going to say where. I think I used to be your neighbor. Really? Mm-hmm. In New York? No, here. Oh, here? Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Remember Victor's? Yes. Is it not the, there anymore? Well, the liquor store part. Oh. And you could smoke in there with the oh, owner? Yeah, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He, I would go in and he'd be like, Chris. He was one of the only people I ever let call me Chris. Chris, don't tell me you've quit smoking. And we'd light up together in the <laughs> liquor store. <laughs> Great for children. Yeah. Don't give her that kid a cigarette. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah. No, he was, was awesome. And then he, uh, yeah, he retired and it turned into like this, like gourmet food shop now. Yeah. The Oaks Gourmet Market. Yeah. I used to try to go in there, but I thought it made me nervous. I feel like it's one of those places where I'm afraid I'm going to do something wrong. <laughs> like what? what do I you don't mean know. Wrong? Like enter the wrong side for the ordering and paying. And the hipster is going to yell at you? Yes. <laughs> and I'll be shamed. Publicly shamed. <laughs> You're going to get hipster shamed. I don't like that. Do you like? Do you feel comfortable in large groups of people? Um, it depends. Like, I feel comfortable on the subway because nobody looks at each other, and you're, right. just, you're just part of a huge crowd. But if it's like, I get nervous in, you know, any kind of high school like environment. Just basically, anytime you're surrounded by hipsters. Right. What? What would? You, how would you describe your immediate friend group? Very different. Um, they're all from different groups and types, and I usually I do a lot of one-on-one friend friending okay. <laughs> instead of like group activity. I'm not good at groups. No, how come? No, I don't know. I just I think I get nervous in groups. I like to know how things are going with the person right in front of me. Yeah. Do you think a lot of actor performers have weird control issues? Probably yes. Why? I wonder. I don't know. It's weird. What's the no, I can't ask you that question. I was going to ask you, like, what's the darkest, ugliest thought you've had today? <laughs> but you probably aren't going to answer that. Not today. I actually haven't had any really dark thoughts today. I t- somebody said something really awful to me a couple weeks ago. Not a, well, yes, a couple weeks ago. There have been ugly thoughts in between now and then. But she said something awful to me, and I just kept thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to kick you in the face. <laughs> I, I'm going to kick you in the face. She uh, said it had, to your face? Well, she, yes. She was a tailor, actually. She was kneeling down around my feet, and she told me I needed to lose two pounds. And I just kept... I like, couldn't even speak. I was just like, oh, my God, I'm going to kick you in the face. Two pounds? Just two. That's a very specific... <laughs> it was very strange. You could lose anywhere between one and a half to 2.1 yeah, pounds. it was weird. Pounds. It, was very, it was arbitrary. Why did she feel... Did it need I'm, to tell you I that? Feel, I feel like she felt like she needed to have something to say. 
she wasn't getting enough attention. <laughs> this is a this is this a, an unfortunate and yet obvious disparity between the genders is that this doesn't happen to you. This doesn't happen yeah. to guys. Yeah. And, and also, if guys if guys gain weight, then no one you know. I mean, unless I gained like a hundred pounds, no one's really going to say anything. I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, he's a guy or whatever. Yeah. So do you my. I've had a lot of conversations with my girlfriend about, you know, where she's, um, she gets insecure about things sometimes around, you know, body issues. And, and she's like, you don't understand what it's like to be a woman. I'm like, no, I don't. But how come you just don't listen to the internet or to, or the tap, you know, like what, what all the media says or the pressures. And she was like, but you don't understand we're, we're programmed that way. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. And it's not, you know, it just, it goes beyond the actual physical. It's associated with, like, good person, bad person type of thing. You know, it's, it's, I don't think it has so much to do with how you actually look. Um, it's more about what, you know, they, they talk about, like, people's perceptions of overweight weight people and, um, and thin people. And it's just a whole weird, it's just a, like, mind fuck, really. It's so bad. Um, but at this point, like I, you just get to a certain point, and I think I'm at this certain point where like I just don't care anymore. You know, I mean, yes, if somebody says to me I need to lose weight, I want to kick them in the face. But other than that, it's just like, ugh, whatever. So if I were kicking that that person in the face, I'd be like, why two pounds? What the fuck? <laughs> that doesn't make sense as you're kicking. Yeah, but yeah, no, I totally understand. It's um, it's weird, and sometimes I think that it's more if you just had something else to focus on. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of focus, and I feel like sometimes it's it's not necessary. Like, because if I'm busy, I don't ever think about uh, body image. It's weird. And do you think that there's anything positive that the media is doing to fight against that, or do you feel like they just it just feeds the machine? No, because even when they find someone, they're like, "This is a real woman. What people should look like." They then talk about the person so much that how the person how's the person not going to go crazy or start cutting themselves or develop bulimia or something or like some horrible like I don't know hair eating problem. <laughs> what is that called? Uh, well, I know trichotillomania is when you pull your hair yeah, out, that- but I don't know what. Trika or pika? Trichophagia? Phagia. That means eating. Um, but I wonder, did, did you see all the controversy first um, with, uh, well, with Lena Dunham and with... Um, That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's like, first of all, haven't we been talking about this for long enough? You know what yeah. I mean? Do people really need to be that predictable? It's like, what's she going to get answered at the next pre- asked at the next press junket? It's like, well, do you have to be the predictable person who asks her about this? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Don't people want to be a little bit more... Don't you want to be the original one in the group who doesn't bring up her weight? Well, I was going to say, I was, I'm even on the other side of people who are trying to fight against that stuff. But what happened with Mindy Kaling and what happened with Lena, where they were both on the covers of things. And then the side that was supposed to be protecting them was like, we want to see yes. the original. It was like, no, why would you make them feel bad? That's You're just the making thing. them feel that's bad. That's what I kept saying. I was like, she... Every, like she's on the cover of Vogue. She must have been so... I, I would have been really excited. And it's like fashion and pretty and girls love this stuff. Or, you know, I hate to generalize, but I'm sure she was excited. And then all of a sudden it gets ruined by somebody being like, we want to see the real pictures. Yeah. Or they were the ones that, that like, that was the and side they called And then they're mad at Vogue. I know. It was like, oh, it's because she's too fat? And you're like, what? I just wanted to... That's the thing. I just think that people, like, any amount of attention paid to this is kind of... And I don't understand the thing, too, of, like... Why? why I, 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 people get enraged that she doesn't care about being sexually attractive to everybody, and it's just like, why does that anger you so much? Why? 
I don't understand that. Well, I, I would guess it's probably because people get pissed at anything that they can't control. They can control. It means that you didn't conform. You don't care about the things that, you know, yeah. have the standards everyone else has to live by. It's sort of like, well, just, uh, don't you have something else to do? So how did, how did you get over all of that stupid stuff? I don't know. I think that you just get... I just get... I get sick of phases very quickly. I go through things, and I'm just like, oh, I can't... I don't care anymore. You know, I just lose interest. When you're about to... When you're about to take a role, and you know... Like, were you nervous at all with Black Snake Moan? Where you're like, well, I'm going to be exposed a lot in this movie. Is that going to be weird? Or do you just go, well, this is such a cool movie and a cool part that I don't... I'm not even think about it. Well, I think that um, for, I do a lot of uh, I do a lot of bargaining with myself and a lot of like managing. Um, so I knew that I probably wouldn't I wouldn't be comfortable the whole time. So I forced myself to get to a place where I was just like, "This is what it is. I'm going to be uncomfortable." I forced myself to kind of like go through that wall. I don't know. Um, maybe it's just I shut off that part of my brain that cared? I don't know. Do you find that you're the type of person who, like, do you like challenges or do you feel like, oh, if I'm freaked out by something, I should definitely yes. go do yes. that thing? Yes, I'm one of those people who, it used to be that I just, I wouldn't really think about the reason I was freaked out because sometimes that's your brain telling you you shouldn't do something. <laughs> um, and I used to just force myself to do it. But, but, uh, but that didn't always work out well. Um, but yeah, I'm somebody who, if something terrifies me, I try to do it. What was an example of that? Well, like, I was, I'm, I have horrible stage fright. Like, so, I, I sometimes, like, my voice will shake and I can't speak. It sounds like I'm crying. So I did a Broadway play. You know, that kind of thing. A Midsummer Night's Dream? No, I did um, this play with Laura Linney called Time Stand Still. And it was really scary. I was scary. way off. Yeah. <laughs> it was really scary. But I forced myself to do it because I felt like I couldn't constantly live in fear of that. I mean, it was so bad that when I was 19, I hosted Saturday Night Live, but I turned it down twice before I actually was forced by a producer to take it. <laughs> I was just like, no, no, that sounds terrifying and awful. Well, I think that would terrify people who didn't have a yeah. stage fright. So how, I mean, like, I, I think to me, I've said this many times on the podcast, my I've gone to school naked dream is that I'm hosting SNL and I, do, I don't know what, I haven't seen any of the material, but it's on. And I'm like, I don't That's know. True, yeah. That's so terrifying. How did, you, how did you push through that? I was just like, you know, the train left the station already. I guess I have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> better, do a, better do the best job I can. Was it fun? It was really fun, but it was terrifying. But it was really fun. That whole week that you're there, I would imagine it moves so fast that you probably barely have any time to even think about it while it's happening yeah yes there's that and you also realize that the writers and everybody else around you are so nervous about the show being good that you're kind of like oh they're really a lot more freaked out than I am they're not gonna <laughs> let me be terrible yeah. you know so but it was terrifying I was terrified is there a is there a place that you go or is there um is there something that you draw on to sort of I ask these questions because it just for the benefit of other people you know, who will probably say, how did you do that? Or they want to overcome stuff or like, you know, how do you, how do you access that? I literally, and I don't know if this is the healthiest thing, but I actually will pretend that things aren't real. <laughs> I don't think that's a bad idea. I'll pretend like I don't exist or the people around me are just in my head. 
and um, <laughs> it helps me get three things. <laughs> it's the coping mechanism, but it totally works for like it's a short term good coping mechanism. And then afterwards, are you able to process the experience and go, oh, okay, I guess I got through that? Yeah, yeah. And hopefully, you still keep yourself enough of the sense of. You know, I still have to behave well enough or not do anything really crazy. <laughs> you know, I'm tricking myself, but it is real. Yeah. Kind of it's, a, it's a fine line. It's a balance, really. Do you feel that... Do uh, you live in New York now? Mm-hmm. And you're, you're going to stay in New York for a while? Yeah. Do you feel like the, the performer lifestyle, do you like... Do you need to have, like, a base, like, a foundation, a base of operations? Or do you get antsy if you're in one place for too long? I mean, like, are you... I feel like the business kind of makes people spiritually nomadic in the sense where it's like, oh, always... Because, you know, you work on a project and then you have this little tight-knit group and then you move on and you probably yeah. never talk to those people again and you start all over You become very good else. at compartmentalizing things, you know, and your life. Like, this is this period of my life and I'm going to move on to a totally new period of life. Yeah. Um, but I actually really like having... A, I like the idea of having, like, a regular home. I think that's why here in L.A., like, I always lived in the same neighborhood because mm-hmm. I like the idea of having, like, a home base and... You know, I had a favorite checkout counter person at, at um, the Gelsons. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I could go, I went for years just traveling nonstop and never being in one place. And then I knew, now I'm kind of sick of that. You ready to just stay around? Are, would, are you going to take roles that keep you close to home or do you still? Well, I mean, I would take, no, I would take jobs where I have to go on location, but I wouldn't like take a series that wasn't in. New York or close to New York. Yeah. Do you write? Not well. (laughs) (laughs) Are you the best judge of your own writing? I don't know. I mean, I do sometimes, but I never. I don't let people see it. Really? Yeah. So those are stashed away with the dead stewardess pictures. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) At what point do you think you'll fit? See, that feels like it's another. This is so interesting to me. So you, you, you've overcome all these like physical. Uh, image barriers that you don't care about anymore but then all of the really intimate stuff is like the writing the comedy you know do you feel like you'll get to a point similarly where you go ah, I don't fucking care anymore and then just put well, stuff I mean, out I don't really I don't really care that much but it's sort of like what am I gonna do I really wanna have any of my writing produced I don't know I don't really care that much about it it's weird I guess that's the thing I do have a kind of like I don't care attitude about it do you, did you evolve a certain sense of just sort of growing up in the public to a degree of there's this little sliver of myself that's just for me and like yeah. the closest person to me? Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of one of those people. I don't like to listen to music with other people because I don't like people to know what kind of music I like. Really? Yeah. I'm very, I have a side of a, just like, this is my secret stuff. <laughs> <laughs> These are my secrets. What do you listen to? Shut up. It's none of your business. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... I just, it's very strange. I don't like to watch movies that everyone's talking about because I don't want to have to give people my opinion. Oh, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's the part of the exposed. Do you, do you um, I'm asking this question for a reason. Are you a all the curtains in the house open or all the curtains in the house closed kind of person? If people can see me from the street, then it's closed. That's so weird. I close all the curtains even when no one... My girlfriend thinks I'm... Well, I guess I am kind of insane. But I'll just... She'll hear in the other room that squeak. She's like, are you closing the curtains? I'm like, yes. I don't know. Someone could jump by on a pogo stick. And it's like, I I don't know. Do you think it it has to do with that of just... 
try to protect one little piece? The, yeah. You mean my secrecy and everything? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, and I think... You know, a lot of times people ruin things for you. You know, if you have to have a discussion with something with somebody about your favorite thing, they might ruin it for you. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. It's true. So that's bigger than just them going, your opinion is dumb. Like, they could tell you something. Yeah, that would destroy my favorite thing. Like, I always loved you. Did you read The, um, um, the Fountainhead? Oh, yeah, I... Yeah, to the, as much as a lot of people say they read it, right. like oh, I'm Gail, well, I read it when I was a teenager, and I was really struck by there's a Gail Winand, and he um, all of his favorite things he destroys because to have other people's opinions and to have other people enjoy them too will ruin it for him. Oh, that's really interesting. That, that basically sounds like when like when a hit, when a, when someone's band becomes popular and they're like, "Fuck, I don't like that band anymore." That's the thing. I think there's a part of me that's really stunted in my te- <laughs> in my teenage years. I don't think it's really all that. I think that's pretty much what it is. Now, do you, now, do, you do you let your husband know what kind of music you're listening to or is that a yeah, I mean, yeah, but I just don't, I just wouldn't, like, I would listen to music when I'm by myself, but, you know, when other people are around, and even my husband, it's like, whatever you, you want to listen to, it's fine. Were you always, uh, were you kind of a serial monogamist, or did you like, did you like dating at all? How do you date? I didn't do a lot of dating, I did a lot of serial monogamy. Just long-term relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, me too. I don't know, I don't understand dating, I don't know. I don't get it either. It seems like I, people who can tolerate that stuff, it's very, I don't understand it. Because it just made me feel crazy. There's that there's a point where you're sitting with someone, or at least from what I remember, and, uh, and you're like, am I supposed to say something? Are they supposed to say something? Is this going well? Is this not? Do I even care to stay? This is too much stress. <laughs> I should probably just leave. <laughs> Quit while I'm ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it's too, it was way too much effort. But now the thing that, it's been so long since, I, like, if my girlfriend broke up with me tomorrow. And I was like, oh, fuck, well, I, I got a date now. There's this whole area that I never, that I did not have when I was dating before of like, oh, people could blog about the experience now or tweet something or be like, this guy was weird in the old Sackaroo. Like, it feels... Do they do that? Yes. There is a, there, oh, this is so fucked up. This might piss you off. You might want to kick this person in the face. But there is, someone created essentially like a Yelp for dating. So that <laughs> see the look on your face. That is terrible. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? That's so bad. Yeah. So I, I have a friend who's Can't a guy. Can you sue for like defamation of character? I don't know because it's a social like you you can't stop people from saying their opinion. Or writing about their experiences. But, wow, but I, yeah, but I so but I have bad. a friend and, and like the, <laughs> he turned up on the thing. This girl <gasps> just wrote all these horrible things about him. Like you can't take it back, and and it may or may not be true. But that kind of shit sort of freaks. That's, that that's, is terrible. <laughs> it never even occurred to me that that would. Happen. But you don't have to worry about it anymore. You're fine. You're good. No, I know, but I'm horrified. Just you for, know, for other people. I'm morally outraged right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. Oh, it's just gross. But you didn't marry an actor. No. So, which is interesting, because I feel like most. People go well. Yeah, they understand the experience and the process. So this, and, and you're well. My husband's a dolly grip, so he works on films and TV, yeah. and uh, so he understands the whole thing. Yeah. Um, there are certain sides of it, of course, that he wasn't exposed to before. But sure. you know, as we kind of, you know, we understand schedules and all yeah. the stuff, and like dynamics on set and all that kind of thing. So it's kind of similar. You yeah. just don't have to deal with. 
I feel like two people in a house that have to worry about all that other stuff is just too much. Oh, yeah. It just exacerbates and rubs. And you hear about people who are really competitive with each other if you're in the same line of work. And right. just like, that sounds awful. Well, which I always found interesting because it's not like, well, I guess maybe it's a success ladder thing. But it's not like if you're married to someone, you're going up for the same roles. But I guess maybe it is a... Yeah, I never got it either. But, but yeah, people get jealous of other people's just success. Ugh, it just sounds awful. That is a gross argument to have to have with someone. Yeah. But I guess, it, you know, as I've said a million times, this business, you have to be sensitive to a degree to be a performer, to sort of absorb things and express them. But the downside is that it's, it's one of the, it attracts the most insecure people. Yeah. And a lot of very, like, I'm always impressed by people. There are people who do so well in this industry, so ambitious, and so, like, really, like, sociopathic. Because to be able to just, like, maneuver and kind of get through unscathed, it's, it's impressive. I feel like you have to not necessarily be all there emotionally. So you either have to be crazy or the most healthy person in the world. Yeah. I don't quite know. I mean, even as... Even as someone who's had to deal with it for a long time, I still don't... It's still hard to let all that stuff go. It's still hard to let all of the, the ego stuff go. I don't, I don't know how people do it. But maybe no one ever really does. Maybe some people just give off the appearance. I think they just hide it better. Yeah. But I think that people who can, go, who can like emotionally go away do it a lot better. <laughs> I had a roommate who was very successful. And sometimes she would just have this really blank look on her face. And it was just, she was just not there. And um, I always thought, like, oh, that's how she's handling all this. She's going somewhere. There's someplace else that she goes. You know, one of my favorite, and you don't have to tell me if you like this band because this would be exposing your <laughs> Uh But one of my favorite Radiohead songs is a song called How to Disappear Completely and Never Be Found. I've never heard that song. It's amazing. And the sort of the mythos behind the song is that Tom York was having a conversation with Michael Stipe about fame. And he said, like, how do you handle, how do you handle it? What do you do? And he said, and Michael Stipe allegedly said to him, when it gets overwhelming, I lie in my bed in the dark and I just repeat, um, I'm not here, I'm not here, this isn't happening, this isn't real, I'm not here, I'm not here. So the whole song... That confirms one of my theories. It confirms one of your theories. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole song is just just Tom York going, uh, I'm not here, this isn't happening. It's really good. Again, there's no pressure for you to add. No, this I want to hear it. But I'm gonna, I will download it. It's real, but it, but it's really cool, especially when you understand the story behind it and you kind of understand the mentality a little bit. Of uh, I do not have the ability to do this because the second that I shut my eyes and start going, okay, then it's like, oh, what time do I have to? Oh, I gotta turn that. Oh, I gotta do this. Oh, I got. Oh, that would be a funny joke. Like, I, there's no way to stop the chatter. Practice. No, that would be healthy. <laughs> yeah, I always say that I'm going to teach my children to do this, and my husband's always like, I don't think so. It's not, it doesn't sound healthy. I don't know, though. I mean, it doesn't, out of coping mechanisms that I've heard, it does not sound like, you know, you could be drinking or taking pills or doing, like, but essentially using your own brain to sort of figure out how to compartmentalize. The trauma or shame or whatever, and then <laughs> be able to come out okay. I feel like as an emergency backup for somebody, it's a good idea. Yeah. They should, you know, because God knows what could happen. 
Yeah. You find yourself in a horrible situation being like tortured to death by some serial killer. You don't know. You want to be able to go somewhere else. You don't. Oh, there's a. I don't know if you're going to remember this movie. There's a movie called Closetland. It's Alan Rickman and Madeline Stowe. And it's just the two of them. And the movie could, might as well be a play because it basically is just shot in one room. And essentially, um, he tortures her for the entire movie. He just tortures her. And she has this ability... To, am I going to spoil this movie? No, no. Well, I'll tell me. you and then you can decide whether or not anyway. Okay. Um, and whenever he starts torturing her, she just has this ability to, to go into this other world called Closetland... And so you find out that the whole arc of the movie is just him trying to understand how she's able to withstand it, withstand trauma and avoid pain and all this crazy stuff. And, and I don't really feel like there's any resolution in the movie, but, it, but it's exactly what you're talking yeah. about of just someone who has the ability to just go away. Do you, do, do you find that that works against you sometimes? Like in, in, in friendships or relationships... Are you able to come back or do you still, do you have to have like a decompression period? I think when I was younger, I wasn't as good at being present at all. Um, I was able to remove myself to the point where it's like, I would, you know, I was that person that would be like standing across the room, like pointing at horrible situations or just being like, (laughs) wow, is this really going on? I'm so not leaving. (laughs) You know, things where you should really leave. I'd be like, wait, I want to see what happens next. Um, So I think... As I got older, though, I, I realized that I needed to be a little bit more present. Yeah. And only use it for emergencies. <laughs> That's amazing that you had the presence of mind to do that, though. Yeah. It's good, too. Like, when you're really... If you're shooting outside and you're cold, disappearing is good. That's, um, that's, like, that's like Shaolin monk. <laughs> Where they, they'll just go Child out actors. And, yeah, oh, yes. Yeah, but again, this is such a small percentage. That, that can go south, like, so hard. Yeah. I guess it could. But I don't know. You just, I, I don't know. I think that I've always been really good at kind of being being removed and living in this weird world that's been, that I've sort of entered and created for myself. But then also being present enough to sort of be like, well, that's not really working. And these people seem to think that I'm crazy. So maybe I have to adjust a little bit. You know? <laughs> so you're constantly checking in. Yeah, I do a lot of that. But you seem totally, like, you, it's funny that even to hear you say that, but then you can talk very rationally and normally about it. It doesn't, it just sounds, it doesn't sound weird. Yeah, no, I, I, mean, I don't think it's weird. It's just that I've noticed in the past that some people don't, don't respond well to it. When you're working, are you, uh, are you able to, like, do you focus and work and then you come out of it? Or do you, is it sort of like, a, you know, I'm working, just don't, I can't really... Um, I generally, it depends on what I'm doing. There are certain jobs where like, I can't read. Um, I have trouble focusing in like, m- movies or anything like that. Um, and I think that, I think that has something to do with the amount of concentration that part will take. Yeah. Um, but then other things, I'm just, it's totally fine. It just depends. I've found that if you don't keep checking in with stuff, the way you were saying, that it, oh, it doesn't always get better as you get older. Like, you can start in some place. Have you, ever, have you ever hung out with someone you haven't hung out with them a long time, and then maybe it's just like five or six years, and you go, I don't remember this person being crazy. But then something has happened where, like, a series of decisions or whatever have sort of positively or negatively reinforced behaviors, and then it's like, oh, now they're just out there now. Yes. I have, I have, I have a few friends like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to take. <laughs> Do you say anything to them, or are you like, no, no you can't? No, what are you going to say? 
But then I always You're worry. You're really off-putting now. That's <laughs> it's not my place. <laughs> I always worry that, and in my sort of assessing other people, at what point am I going to be the one that are like, oh, he's really just drifted off? I think the... about that all the time too. I think about, does this person think I'm crazy now? <laughs> yeah, I do think about that, and that's probably why I don't say anything because I'm thinking they could think that I'm just as off-putting. Right. Uh-huh. It's the weird sort of existential thought loops of like, well, how, how do I know that I'm perceiving this situation the right way? How mm-hmm. do I know? What's going to stop me from doing something crazy? Yeah. I don't know. Do you ever I do- ask a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> so how do I seem? Does it seem uh, normal to you? Okay, <laughs> it's just, so you're constantly yeah. analyzing and checking in and calibrating. Yeah. I'm constantly... Uh, sometimes I like get... A, I go, should I be afraid of my brain? Because it really... If you get the wrong impulse, it could just make you do something that you don't even that you don't intend to do. But it's... yeah, well, thank God you're not a woman because the hormones every once in a while make you a little crazy. Oh yeah, have you? Yeah, they can make you really crazy. I um I was dating a girl once, and she we were together for a long time, and for the first couple of years, every so often she would, by her own admission, just just go off the rocker. And then finally, after like a year and a half or two years, I, st- I had enough data where I was like, this seems to happen at very specific times in a chunk every month. And it's not period related. And I know that's going to be the obvious guy thing to say. But it was, I said, do you think birth control pills could be fucking with your mind? Oh, yeah, mind? They, make pe- they make people crazy. And she too, goes, yeah. oh, I don't know. Maybe. So she went off them and literally within a day was fine. And then just started doing all this research and was like, oh yes, flooding your body with hormones is a terrible thing to do to your brain. Yeah. But men, don't men have a, a sort of period as well? Isn't that widely <laughs> believed? Yeah, right? That's, they do. Yeah. Katie? I read a study about it. Yeah. What did, what was, what did the they study? They said there's like an arc in the middle of a month that guys will just kind of get irritable. There are fluxes s- in hormones, yeah. My um, period of them is 31 days a month where I just come home and I'm irritable. But I think it, I, I, but it, it, is, it is interesting to me that, that so many people use something that actually can completely make fuck you up insane. your life and make you insane. And it's really bad. It's really, really bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like the, the tons of prescription drugs where they, you know, like all those drugs that are meant for um, depression that actually can make you kill yourself and kill other people. Yeah. <laughs> those are crazy. I don't... Uh, drugs like that. There was that... Um, Accutane drug that given to teenagers could make them commit make suicide. The and the, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's a rash of it caused depression in teenagers, and that was like yeah. the main group that it was given to. But they had clear skin, right? You looked gorgeous. Yeah, amazing. But, yeah, yeah. But you still kind of wanted to die. You're de- <laughs> I know, but it, it gave you this porcelain-like skin, which really it helped underscore it. the depression. Yeah, it yeah. worked really. It worked it really did great. Work so yeah. well. Um, I took it. No skin. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> but. Uh, um, I, I find that uh, it's people take so many drugs now that they think like, oh, it's okay because it's they're prescribed and you can take this to even out this and even this. That uh, I've actually and I don't do I don't drink I don't do anything, but I've actually said to people, you know, rather than take a bunch of prescription pills, maybe just smoke weed every once in a while. At least it's a little more. It feels like it's a little more healthy than loading your brain with with pill chemicals. Yeah, definitely, it's better for your liver. <laughs> At least, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any weird vices or anything? Or are you pretty, pretty, pretty normal? Not pretty, really. Pretty boring. 
Yeah, I'm pretty normal. I like a lot of white trash food, but other than that. What is your favorite white trash food? Kraft macaroni and cheese. I was zooming in the room. It's the best. It's really good. And anything fried, pretty much I'll eat. Just about anything. There's a restaurant in town. Uh, the girlfriend's vegetarian. So we went to this place called Sage. Have you been to it? It's in Echo Park. No. It's actually not bad vegetarian. <laughs> There's a couple places that are actually like... And I always feel like a dick because I'm always just kind of like, uh, I don't... Hey, this isn't bad. But don't most restaurants, though, have vegetarian food? Well, they do, but then there are places that... that Cater to. There are places that just serve non-meat products, and there are places that actually try to figure out how to make the experience less... Yeah. Sucky. And so this place, um, they have this macaroni and cheese ball, which is essentially deep fried and then covered in buffalo sauce. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. It's incredible. Anything deep fried in buffalo sauce, that's pretty good. You know, you can make um, macaroni and cheese sticks. Like you can, you can get macaroni and cheese, mash it together, uh, put a little bit of uh, whatever you put on stuff to make it crusty. And then just like breadcrumbs. What is it? Breadcrumbs. Sure. And then you flash fry it, and then you dip it in marinara sauce, and you're basically eating macaroni and cheese sticks. That sounds really good, but don't you have to have a deep fryer? Well, no. You could just have a pot and a bunch of. Oh, that's right. I don't really understand the whole frying concept. (laughs) I've come up against this before. I my old nemesis. (laughs) So I don't really comprehend this very well. I know there's like cast iron skillet things and you never wash it, some shit, stuff like that. You can say whatever you want. Okay, some shit like that. Yeah. But I don't get it. I don't know. Are you a takeout? Are you, are you a... No, I cook a lot. But the idea, like it's frying things and oil and all, I just, everything gets so dirty. I'm obsessed with cleanliness and uh, kitchen efficiency. Mm -hmm. So that would make me crazy. Do you, what do you make? Um... Lots of just different stuff, lots of stuff. I like to cook a lot of um, Italian food. Well, of course. You know, your name is, first of all, I think you and I have this thing in common where people like to say our whole names. They don't just, or at least what I've noticed. Yeah. It's like, Christine Norici. Like, yeah. it, your name is very Italian sing-songy. It is. It's so weird. Because I'm not that Italian. I'm like a quarter Italian. Oh, really? Yeah. You just got the name part. Yeah, my parents were big posers. What's the- <laughs> they really Italian were. posers? They really were. My brother's Raphael, my other brother's Dante, my sister's Pia, and we're like Scots-Irish, <laughs> with a little Italian. Oh, that's not even fair. No, it's not. Oh, wow. Yeah, but when I go to Italy, I pretend I'm all Italian, 100%. Hello. Are you just speaking broken <laughs> it English? It so good being no in my mother country. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the craft of macaroni <laughs> and a cheese? <laughs> Bolognese? <laughs> Hey, boy. <laughs> a meat sauce. Hey, a Cristina Ricci. Yeah, totally. Wait a minute. You're only a quarter. Yoink. And then you're out. Yeah. Well, you, uh, we're almost done, but okay. you, we should mention um, that, uh, is, your, is the Lizzie Borden movie premiering this weekend? Saturday. Saturday yeah. night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, is it Lifetime? Yes. Oh, good. I got that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have notes. I apologize. No, I noticed I'm that. I'm horribly, un- I'm not really a professional person i wouldn't take notes either i'm just a talker i don't yeah. really no you're good at it you're doing great am i okay yeah you're doing a okay great good job. i appreciate that mm-hmm. but don't you find that the sort of like if you see a clipboard and notes it's just you feel i always want to read it oh you do yeah i always want to know what's on it, it which would, can be distracting it wouldn't it really wouldn't it would probably just have a bunch of weird doodles <laughs> and not really uh not really anything it, maybe i should have it just to make people feel a little more 
like they're in more capable hands. It seems like he's taking notes for you. He's just yeah. writing down stupid things that yeah. I say because I do. I'm stand up and. I don't ever go back and listen to the podcast, and so he'll just write things down and go, oh, you said this thing that was sort of funny, and then I'll take it and try to decide if I should develop oh, wow. it into a bit. That's great. It's a good gig. Do you, yeah. know how many, do you know how many of your notes I've read? Uh, I'm going to guess maybe two. <laughs> You're exactly right, yeah. actually. Aww. I've done 200 minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I get them, and I just go, I don't care what I said. Mm. And they're all, like, multiple pages. There's thousands of backlog pages he has to go through. I'm so Just sorry. Just be polite, you should really <laughs> at least pretend. <laughs> anyway, I just want to thank you for all the fine notes that you've been taking these last 208 episodes, Kyle. It's good work, and it's really... I think the next hour material is going to be really solid, thanks to your hard work and your commitment. I'm waiting for the next step where you just have me sort of... Add some more filtering to it. <laughs> you, you can literally just start writing, the cat plays with the ball. Look at the pretty kitty. I, I, I would not even I would not even know. I would not even know. You could just write all work and no play makes Kyle a dull boy. That was 108. <laughs> but uh, so the Lizzie Bard movie is mm-hmm. on Saturday night. Saturday. Um, what is the date Saturday? Is it the 24th? 25th. 25th. Mm-hmm. Saturday the 25th. I think it's 8 p.m. Eight, at 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there anything you want to say about the movie or what do you... Well, you know. Yeah, good. She kills her parents. <laughs> it's, cre- it's creepy. Did you did you watch the Elizabeth Montgomery version no, of Lizzie No, I saw clips of it, but I couldn't find the entire movie online. Yeah. So I saw little clips. Do you ever worry that you're going to portray a murderer and then go, you know, they actually had some pretty smart ideas? Well, I do feel like that sometimes. And sometimes I could also see what ha- like where it wasn't, you know, it's kind of not justifiable, but it, you're kind of like, well, that person was kind of a dick. <laughs> but, you know, and murder is never okay. And um, He did... Look, her dad did say she needed to lose two pounds. Her, yeah. I would have killed him, too. Um, but, yeah, no, she, she did have some good ideas. Although, I'm not clear as to whether... Uh, they, they kind of show how she got away with it. And I, I, I'm not entirely sure that the way she gets away with it in the movie is not based on the original Elizabeth Montgomery movie. Oh, really? Yeah. I was told that it was like whatever, you know, I did some research and about her mental state and everything. I did actually a ton of reading about the theories behind why she did it and all this stuff. But then when it came to like the actual, like, cause she kills, she does this whole thing and the, the way she gets away with it is pretty, pretty smart. Um, but, uh, I, I kept asking, you know, is this based on somebody's, uh, theory of the crime or, and they were like, oh, yeah, totally. It's based on a theory that's been established. And then I, but I couldn't find it anywhere. So I was like, but I know this is what was in the Elizabeth Montgomery movie. Is that what's happening here? By the way, when you ask someone... When you ask someone... Do I ask them like when that? When you ask someone any type of statement, a quantitative statement or a qualitative statement, and they go, yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, are you sure that... Yeah, yeah Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So just to put here's the X. Yeah. But that's one of the things that's really that I actually really like. I mean, I, I actually really like this movie. And one of the things I like is that it is, it does follow along in this sort of like, it's there's there it's a little campy like on purpose intentionally. Well, I guess that's what campy is, right? Intentionally. Yeah. yeah. Intentionally tongue in cheekish, um, and it does kind of pay homage a little bit to the original movie in tone. Um, so it doesn't take itself too seriously, which I enjoy. 
What is it that you look for now when you get scripts? Is there a, do you, is there a specific directive where you go, I want to do this, or do you just no. feel it out? No, it's just whether, you know, uh, I have a lot of opinions, and uh, sometimes, you know, so I have to make sure that I'm not, like, completely just put off by the, by the thing. And then, is it interesting? Have I played that kind of thing before? Can I actually do this? Do I think I'd be good in this? That kind of thing. Is there anything that you, like, what else have you not done that you really want to do? I've always wanted to play a spy, because I feel like I could fit in really small spaces. <laughs> And like crawl, crawl through, crawl through ventilation shafts and stuff. I don't know if you are at where you, I don't know if you still have to audition for things. I'm guessing no, but no, I do. Oh, you do? Yeah, yeah. Still, really? Every, yeah. What? Do you do? There's a lot of auditioning. Yeah, but you've done a million fucking things. It doesn't matter. Oh man. Well, I, I think if you're up for like a La Femme Nikita type thing. <laughs> just bring a tape of me crawling through things. <laughs> That's all you need to do. Crawling through things and then some cartwheeling. <laughs> yes, exactly. It'll be like the 21st century version of like those old four-panel headshots. <laughs> where they, oh, yeah. Did you ever have one of those? No, but my, my mom had one of those because she was a teenage model. Really? Yeah, I have hers. <sighs> was it like, here's me playing baseball and here's me at the beach? Oh, I had one. I had a three-panel one. My original headshot is me with like two... Pigtails looking stern, mm-hmm. arms crossed looking stern. Another one with like my side pony where I look surprised. And then I forget what the third one was. I don't remember it now. But my mother has one that where she's like laughing with an, a man in, the, in a pool and then like on, on the street with a dog. Um, stuff like that. We need a woman who I can be on stuff. the street with a dog. Yeah. I, I, this is that eventuality. I captured <laughs> that moment. It's pretty good. I think for fun, you could. <laughs> You create your original headshot and then just post them side by side. That's true. I could do that. That'd be fun. That would be really fun. Yeah. It'd also be fun if I did like a se- I love the idea of doing series. I don't know why I'm obsessed with series right now. But I would do a series of videos where like me as a cop. <laughs> what? Hey, Hollywood. Want to cast me as a spy? Um, I'd be an awesome clown. That kind of thing. That'd be fun too. Projects. You should do that. I yeah, projects. I have a lot of free time apparently. You uh um uh oh the so back to the you in small spaces. Okay. This is something. This is a video that you have to make. I think that would be really funny. It'd be pretty funny, especially if there's also a section where I had one of those go cams. Yeah, the GoPros. <laughs> GoPros. Yes. That'd be good too. Yeah. That, I think that that could absolutely. I think that could absolutely happen. Please let me know if... If it happens, I'll let you know. Probably won't. It could. It's just going to exist in my mind. No, you could... It could. To meet somebody else who's got a lot of time on their hands and can operate a camera. We would either produce that (laughs) or... You know, the show that I do here is also produced by Funny or Die. That's a total... Yeah, that would be pretty good. I have a lot of weird ideas like that. I think... So I, I think the whole premise of the video is you say, I'm Christina Ricci... I've been doing, you know, movies for a really long time. I don't like the audition process. So I'm just going to I'm just going to mash all of my auditions for roles that could come up into one video. That would be good. These are all the roles that these are all the kinds of roles that I want to do. <laughs> and then and then don't ever ask me to audition again. Yeah, that'd be good. It's like a reel. It would be. Yeah. It's, it's a pre-reel. Like yeah. it's a reel of work that you haven't done Possibilities. yet. Possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a hope chest for performers. 
Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it's been delightful chatting with you. And Me I, too. And I Thank hope you, you had a very nice time. Yeah, it was and fun. Good luck with the movie. And, and Thank you. Are you going back to New York soon? Soon, yeah. Thursday. Well, please enjoy the fact that it's really hot here. It is very warm here. <clears throat> it's, it's awesome. Nice. I know. It's, it's blizzarding. That's not a thing. It's blizzarding. It's blizzarding in New York. It's sunning here. I know. But it's blizzarding back east. But you, uh, do you like the cold weather? I like snow. It's whimsical. It is when it's already there. Yeah. But not the process of having I don't like, it. Functioning in it isn't great. Is not good. No. At all. But I do, I also really like throwing Karen Carpenter out in snowdrifts. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's so small. This is... <laughs> See, this is why this is why you have to give one of my dogs' names is Scott. It's very funny to give a dog a human name, but it's even oh, funnier it's to give a dog a performer's name. A dead a tragic anorexic. A tragic uh, one of the worst stories in the history of music. Just I give know. your sweet dog. That's Karen's a- also good because when you talk about Karen with strangers, they're like, Who's this? It's like, oh, it's that one right there. Karen dog. Carpenter. Yeah. Karen Carpenter shit on the floor again. She did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I didn't know that. Story. I had a photo series called Places Karen Puked. For a while, that was good too. You've got to be putting these online. These are great series. I only had one picture though, because they're usually like fake series. Like there's not going to be another one. No, that's true. So there, that one is on my Twitter, Places Karen Puked. <sighs> this is fantastic. I'm telling you, you're a meme generator. Thanks. <laughs> And please let me know if you want to make your never have to audition again. That could be good. Uh, I would enjoy that. All right. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. Murder on My Mind, a new podcast available exclusively on Wondery Plus, explores the circumstances leading up to the murder of two young men and the mistrials of the man accused of killing them. Up-and-coming rapper YNW Melly gained notoriety in the hip-hop world for his shocking lyrics and criminal exploits. When two of his best friends were gunned down in a drive-by shooting, investigators suspected the young rapper staged the scene. But after not one but two trials that ended in hung juries and new evidence that may place YNW Melly at the scene of the crime, his trial has been paused indefinitely. With countless twists and turns, Law and Crime covers all angles of the case and begs the question, is this young artist the victim of a witch hunt or a silver-tongued devil who's evil to the core? Listen to Murder on My Mind exclusively and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.